0: Reality is spiritual. His truth is his truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So we're uh, we're in the middle of a series unrest here. This is the third. Who keeps tabs? The third one? The fourth one? <laughs> I think it's the third one. Um, but how many of you need a better handle on the rest of God in your life? Everybody. Okay. I'm not alone. So, good. So, I'm actually, uh, I'm going to start with a quick review of what we've been doing, but it's, it's, I'm shortening it. I know I'm doing this every week. It's on purpose, but I'm, I'm shortening this down. It's going to get, this review part is going to get shorter and shorter because I think you guys got it you feel like you' got- you got it what we're doing, okay, let's just put out there, and then I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to get us grounded repeats ones that we've been doing, and I'm just going to put out there you understand rest, the rest of God and rest in the word of God in the life of the disciple of Jesus is not like a Christian side note. We've been saying that every week, and i got to tell you it's revelation to me. Going into this study, this is a very convicting study for me. Rest is core, so core that when He commands it, and I know you got this. What's the consequence for viol- even just for violating Sabbath? Death. death, death. And but the thing is, is we really got to get a handle on that. It's true. It's not that someone's going to come after you with stones. Because you violate the Sabbath. And in fact, I've been promising you that what we're going to talk about is that we're not even actually talking about Sabbath. That was a, that was a simple physical picture of something far deeper. And I've been promising you we're going into the deeper this morning. You ready for the deeper? Okay, when it's not that someone's coming after you with stones to kill you, it's that you are, by not aligning with God's ways, with rest that is so core to who he is, and so therefore is his ways, by not aligning, you are already dying. The, the consequence is death. His nature doesn't change. Okay, and am I talking about physically, or soul, or spirit? Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, you you already know that um, that physically, if you're not if you're not getting the kind of rest that you need, I mean, d- just medical science tells us that we're beginning to fall apart. We're opening to, the door to the things of death onto our body, soul. Well, I'm not going to touch this too much because later in this series, in the weeks to come, I know I'm going to teach on it. In fact, it's the part that's the Heaviest on my heart. We're just kind of getting ready for it. But the soul death that's happening is that you are made in God's image. I'll just give you a glimpse. And what is so core to God's image? He's creational. He's creative. And that's the call on you. Failure to align with his ways begins to shut that down in the soul. And I'm not going to go any further on that. Spiritual death? Yes. Yes. (laughs) even as back as um, being released from Egypt when Moses and Aaron, their very first encounter with Pharaoh was over asking for a long weekend so they could do Sabbath things, so they could do the spiritual things that make the spirit alive, that refresh the spirit, right? Okay, go to, um, uh, I'm going to read these again. Go to Psalm 95, verse 7. Now I'm purposely going to move fast through some of this first stuff because there's there's such good stuff we're getting to. And I want to get there. But um, 95 verse 7 says, Today if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. So now let me just remind you: hardening of heart is when you see God and you don't and you still don't move into his ways. That's the definition, at least by the word of God, that's hardening of heart okay and this this makes it clear that every day is today so remember we are going into deeper and deeper rest we are right he's always calling us to a deeper place with him which means a, a deeper reality of who he is in us through us in all that we're doing so we're going into deeper rest and every day there is a certain rest a rest of god that is that is extended to you today right But he's also taking you to a deeper one, right? Okay, I'm going to read on. It says, um, when your father, or I don't think I read this. um, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. See, there's the hard heart. Forty years I was grieved with that generation and said, now listen, it is a people who go astray in their heart and they do not know my ways. So you see, there's, there's absolute attachment to, to aligning with his ways that is rest for us. That's just foundational. We can't even begin to talk about the deep things if we don't have that. So he swore in his wrath, they shall not enter my rest. You see the connection? Okay, go to um, Hebrews chapter 4. I promise I'll slow down in a little while here, but (laughs) Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6. And I'm going to show you that we're begin. we have been already, but we're beginning to talk about the deeper. Okay, the deeper. It's not about just merely a Sabbath, right? It's not about is it important to take a day off? Yeah, I I think it is. (laughs) He's unchanging. Okay, if the New Testament is the most crystal clear revelation of Jesus. Um, the Old Testament is the foundation of who he is that that's built on. That's why we've spent so much time, and especially the last few weeks, so much time in those Old Testament passages where the, the foundation of rest is laid down. It's core to who the Father is. He's He's a person of rest. Actually, I'm sensing this we got to put this out there again, too. Why is rest so important to him? Let's see how well I'm doing. <laughs> We're a free people, right? Slaves don't get rest. And I, someone said, I think, Teresa, I think you said it, um, his children are not going to be slaves. You're not going to enter rest as a slave. It's It's conflicting. It's contradictory. You're free in Jesus Christ. And so that's why your inheritance is rest in him. Thank you, Lord. So um, Hebrews 4, 6. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again he designates a certain day, saying in David... Now listen, this is the deeper part. We're talking here about the day of David. Okay, so a certain rest at that time. Is deeper rest coming for them? Yeah, but this is talking about the day of David, and I'm going to tell you this, scripture is stepping backwards in days of rest that are going deeper and deeper. So saying in David, today after such a long time as it has been said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now here we're stepping back again. Listen, it says, for if Joshua, there's a day, right? If Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Now, these next two verses, we've done this already. I'm just going to, this is going to be the end of the introduction, but I want you to to get this part. These next two verses are so foundational. Verse 10, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his do you know that God has God is calling you to cease from some things to cease from the works that are just purely of yourself right the striving the the meeting of core longings in places other than him is is works that in the rest of God we cease and he modeled it for us now did he need to cease from anything that that was not good. No, but, but he's good enough to show us the truth, to, to show us the, the nature of truth within himself. He modeled the ceasing from his works. Now, as I've been preparing this message, I'm just extraordinarily convicted in, <laughs> in the sense that um, I'm finding that almost everything I'm made of, um, there is very little that is the redeemed of the Spirit of God. And that's just me being transparent before you. Thank goodness how powerful, how amazing that little, bit, that, that little bit of God is a lot. But I'm finding that the ceasing that I have to do is almost overwhelming. <laughs> God help me cease from striving to, to be okay when you say I'm okay, from striving to be accepted when you've promised me I'm accepted. Striving to be loved. When you said, I'm loved. See, ceasing from our works as he ceased from his. And then verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the example of disobedience, speaking of them in the wilderness. Be diligent. What's that? The word diligent has a connotation in it that like, like run to it, do it immediately, do it with speed. In other words, you can't afford not to be to be diligent, immediate, and speedy about it. Why? Because the consequence of not is death. <laughs> so unless you're interested in that, um, we need to be diligent. Now that's what we're going to talk about this morning. How do you be diligent, direct? Like, okay, I'll go take a nap. No, we're t- we're talking about deeper things, right? And how do we? I believe the word of God gives us a crystal clear pattern of how we enter deeply into the rest of God, how we're diligent about it. Does it, you want to know how? Okay. All right, let's look at that. To start, now it's it's been driving me crazy the last few weeks. I haven't really done a whole lot um of Jesus's words or stories of Jesus and the truth is every sermon should probably start and end with Jesus, right? So, we're going to do that this morning. Go to Mark um, chapter 4, uh, verse 33. And while you're turning there, I'm just going to pray again. Lord, as we turn and we look at you, we're asking that you would give us your nature, your nature of rest. And we know that you are far more than an example, <laughs> you are everything, you are the creator. And in you we exist. You are the lover of our soul, but you're also our example. And so, Lord, I ask that you would grant revelation in our heart as we look at you so that we can see how we are diligent to enter this rest. Thank you, Lord. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. Okay, 433. Um, So we're starting right at the end here in verse 33 of Jesus ending a big work day. (laughs) Right? A big day of teaching. And right in verse 33 here it says, And with many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, speaking of his disciples, okay, he explained all things to his disciples. Now, verse 35 begins with on the same day, and that's why I'm just going to pause here for a minute, and I'm going to talk about what we just read, even though it feels like it's off subject, it's not. The Word of God is making it very clear that it wants, um, God wants us to notice that, in, in other words, in this context, on the same day. This next stuff that we're going to read is about to happen. So what's the context? The context is Jesus is out there working. He's out revealing things but by parable to those who are not really prepared to receive it. But um, to what? Who does he explain it to? His disciples. And it, it literally says he explained all things. Okay, I hope that warms your heart. At least if you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus, it means in the quiet place, in the secret place, when you're with him, he explains all things. Okay, a couple people are thankful. On the, so then verse 35, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now I want you to notice something. Um there is intentionality here right And you have to remember of Jesus to get this right You have to remember of Jesus that his every intentionality is in alignment with his father Is that true He says I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it I only say what I hear my father say I go where I see him going so in this intentionality, he says, let us cross to the other side. So we have to know that there's a sense of will in this. And I don't honestly know if he knows what he's going to do when he gets to the other side yet or not. Um, but we do know that, that Jesus understands that if, if he's doing this, and he's saying to his disciples, let's go to the other side, there's an intentionality based on the will of his father. We, can we agree that's true? Okay. Okay. It's going to be critical. So then verse 36 goes on. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, that'd be the disciples, and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? So, did you catch the words that the boat's actually filling with water? And Jesus is in the stern, sleeping. Now, I caution against like some some fairy tale version of this story. I, I tend to think this is something like... Um, have you, have you ever been in a motel or, or somewhere where, like, I mean, you're getting some sleep. You're like, Phew, i got to catch some shut-eye, and there are weird noises in the place, everything slamming doors, and, and um, you're sleeping. You're getting some rest, but it's not ideal. Are you all tracking? I think that's what we're reading here. He's asleep in the stern, and I'm sure he's getting some rest. He's dozing here and there, but he is in the middle of a storm, bad enough that the boat is filling Okay, so let's, let's keep this in reality. And yet he's, he's resting. He's getting rest. And, uh, and the disciples say, do you not care that... They wake him up and they say, do you not care that we're perishing? And so I would sort of ask you, which was the bigger disturbance, the storm or the disciples? <laughs> it was the disciples that made him get up, <laughs> right? But he's good enough. Did he need to calm the storm? Now, he was already resting. (laughs) But we know, know, I'm going to read it, and we know what comes next. He's going to calm the storm, but why does he do it? Because he needs it? (laughs) He does it because his disciples need it. Like, I mean, I got a picture. This was one of the scenes where I sort of pictured Jesus rolling his eyes a little (laughs) in the most loving way. Okay, then verse 39, and this believe me, this is leading to, to gold, so just keep checking with me. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Let me see if I should keep. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now I'm going to tell you, both words, peace and be still, when you, when you look deeply at their roots and think, actually, you don't even have to look that deep, right? In the definition of these words, they would have understood that there's a connotation of the silencing of the voice. Basically, in both of those words, Jesus is saying, be quiet, silence to your voice. What what voice is that? The voice of the storm, right? Now, let me tell you something. I think you might may have heard me say this before, but... Um, Let me just put out there, we tend to think the incredible miracle was his authority over the physical universe. The incredible thing is that he got up and he calmed the storm. But do do you know the real miracle, the real abiding miracle in the example of Jesus was that he was sleeping in the stern, in fact, I'm, I'm going to show you in the Word of God, but I just want to tell you first, do you know that it, it was the abiding rest? It was the guy, the spirit-filled guy, who could sleep in the stern that had an authority when he spoke in this physical place. Do you got it? Rest and authority. There is power in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he is so deeply at rest in his Father, that there is authority on his lips. and it's what we're called to. We're ever being called to a deeper place of rest and the inheritance of rest and I'm going to tell you why, it's because it is the abiding source of your authority. It is the call to reign with him comes from a deep sense of rest. It's someone who sleeps in the boat. Have you ever seen a, um, have you ever seen a fearful leader? I, that's a rhetorical question, because you've seen me <laughs> and I know that if you hang around here long enough, you see me in a little bit of anxiety, far more often than I've cared to admit most of the time. It's always ugly, right? Do you know there's no such thing as having authority if it's not from a deep sense of peace and rest? I didn't say you can't accomplish that. Oh, you can pull it off at the abuse of many and spreading anxiety to everyone along the way. I've done that plenty. But true authority resides in a type of faith that that is someone who sleeps in the boat. And Jesus modeled it. Now it cracks me up. um, after After... Um, He calms the voice, a screaming voice, listen, that is contrary to, Jesus has a sense that they are to cross to the other side, and we're going to talk about that more, but knowing that, knowing that he only goes or does what he sees the Father doing, in the sense of that will he comes the voice that screams contrary to what he knows they're supposed to be doing because there is rest in the alignment with the Father. Am I doing okay? Okay. And then it corrects me up. They go from one fear to the next. And then in verse 41, And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? So, First, they're fearful because the physical world's trying to kill them. And then they're fearful because, who can this guy be? And they go from one fear to the next, right? I can relate with that myself most of the time. I'm getting better. Do you know? God is transforming me. Anybody else? But I lived a life that was nothing but anxiety, I'm telling you. And when you see me in the peace and freedom of not having anxiety, you're looking at a miracle. It's, it's the truth. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Now, how many of you know what he does next? He, casts, um, he, he um, frees the demoniac um, that's living among the tombs and casts out a legion. There's some authority for you. You thought calming the, sea, calming the physical universe, silencing that voice, was a big deal. Well, he moves right on into the soul and the spirit realm and displays his authority. And yes, he does mean for you to operate from a realm of kingdom authority in all three of those areas in your life. I'm still on my way, okay? But but let's just let's not minimize God's good plans for you. by by throwing it away because I'm still on the way. (laughs) I mean, truth is truth. He's calling you to reign with him in all three realms, okay? Okay, go to John um, chapter 7. Verse 10, we'll start. And I'm going to show you where, uh, I'm going to show you how we're we're going to, okay, let's do this. We're going to begin to look at um, how we are diligent to enter rest. How do we position ourselves to enter? How are we diligent about that? And it's in the word of God. So I'll just start reading here, verse 10. It starts, but when his brothers had gone up, Then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. So this is a wonderful atmosphere here, huh? (laughs) He's got some people seeking to kill him. He's got complainers. Anybody been around complainers before? (laughs) And some said he's good. Others said, no, no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. That's the description of a storm. <laughs> okay? I'm going to suggest we're reading a Jesus that's still sleeping in the boat as we move on. Okay? Verse 14. Now, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. You see, and remember, what does the word of God say about how Jesus, Jesus teaches? As one with authority. You see, it's from a place of rest even in the middle of the storm that he has any authority. Okay, there's power in the name. Why? Because he's one at rest. He's one, he's one that, that he is fully in the core of the Father's heart that he is a God of rest. He's a God of freedom, which releases ability. Do you know rest, being in the rest of God, releases your ability? Will you say that with me? Being in rest releases my ability. That's right. Uh, they go, in, and the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters, having never studied I'm not even going to touch that right now. (laughs) Verse 16, Jesus answered them and said, here it is, my doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. Now I really want you to listen to, I hope you're catching how that ties into everything we've been doing so far, but really listen to verse 17. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it's from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Did you catch it? Who can judge rightly spiritual things, soul things I'm going to say even even physical things who can who does that say can judge rightly us the ones who will to do his will there's a listen there's a positioning in that sentence there's one who who is positioned in their heart. To have, to to be holding as their desire to do his will, and it positions us to know his will. I want to tell you that this is a huge aspect. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep proving it. So if you're kind of smoking or itching your head, that's okay. Just hang on, because I'm gonna show you place after place. But it is this positioning to positioning toward his will that helps us know the will, and we're talking about rest when we talk about that position before God so often I talk to people um, including myself I do talk to myself sometimes and I'm one of these people but I talk to people who say boy I sure I thought God said this and I'm thinking to myself I bet he did I bet you heard him. I bet he did say that. You know, but you know how often I take a word and make a sentence or I take a sentence and I, I can write a whole book with one word from the Lord. <laughs> and it'll get you in trouble really quick. It'll, it'll get you confused. It'll get you mad at him. And I'm going to tell you what's going on there. It's, it's when we have so much of our own will. Is anybody acquainted with the idea that you've got a lot of operating will? <laughs> okay, now let me tell you something. I'm not telling you that God doesn't want you to have will. He does. He delights in you. He's the one who made your will. It's just our will has a lot of redeeming to do. <laughs> okay? but And when we bring such a force of our own will and we mingle that into this relationship of what is supposed to be falling into the arms of a good God, a God who thinks higher than we do, Are you tracking? There's rest in that. And our will begins to get out of the way so that we we rightly understand the words of God that are spoken to us. You're not wrong that he's speaking words to you. Do you know that? He's always speaking to you. How awake we are to the fact that he's speaking to us is another matter. Whether we judge rightly what he's doing, how he's speaking in the circumstances, in words, in the nudges of the heart, in the affections of the throne room that we sense, all the ways that he's speaking to us, whether we judge that rightly in any kind of reality, that's another question. And there is rest in letting our will go in a matter. Have you all ever, um, I need to move on here, I'm feeling it, but have you all ever earnestly prayed for something in a season of your life and, um, and you don't understand why it's never coming or it works out another way, right? I want to tell you one of the things that I've found that we're going to continue to see in the words of God that we read this morning. It's, it's the mingling of our will that makes it hard to understand the answer or even receive it because you know that he's not, he's not willing to harm you. And if we're not ready to receive an answer, he will withhold it. And it's not because his heart desires to withhold anything. It's because he loves you too much to harm you. Are you tracking? Okay. (laughs) All right, let me see if I should read this. Yeah, let's, let's just keep reading this. Um, we'll just do it quickly. Verse 18. Uh, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give, the, give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? And then they start going, here's where the people are off track, right? The people answered and said, you have a demon who's seeking to kill you. You see, he's got a sense of abiding that gives him a rest. He, he has a clarity on the will of God because of the place of rest that he's in. Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. I want you to note he's bringing this idea. He is bringing to their mind the obedience of rest in the context of these words. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Are you getting it? Technically, what they're saying is, you're violating the law. <laughs> and he's going, nah <laughs> That's what he's saying. He's saying, nah-uh. No, he's, <laughs> he's saying, I am not violating the genuine rest of God by manifesting the kingdom for someone who needs healing on this day. Do not judge according to appearance but judge according to righteous judgment. Now let me ask you, what grants us the ability to righteous judgment? In other words, to judge rightly, to understand spiritual things, to understand things of the soul, and I'm going to suggest even the physical things that you're encountering in your day. So what is it? It was in this passage. What allows us to judge rightly? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Let's get let's get it word for word. If anyone wills to do his will. This is a positioning. This is, we might think of, you know, Jesus had this struggle and he modeled it for us. He like really clearly, do you know where that is? He's getting ready to face the cross, right? And he's going, take this cup from me, but not, not my will, but yours. That was a very real struggle for him. He was able to recognize the lack of rest and without sin, he was able to stop and go to his father and say, I've got to correct this in order to judge what the important, the most important things that will ever happen in the history of man he was about to do. And in order to do those things, he, he had to return to a place where he was at rest in the father's will, not my will, but your will, is, is rest, All right. Now we're going to do the really the really good stuff. And I can tell I'm not going to get through all of it, but that's okay. This is what's on that was just intro. <laughs> this is what's really on my heart. Okay. You know, we've been saying he's taking us from from one rest to a deeper rest to a deeper rest, right? Now, here's the spiritual truth you can see from cover to cover in this book. In order to get from where I'm at to the deeper rest, to the greater faith, there is always a crossing. Now you, now you know this. You know that when they were freed from slavery and bondage, there was a crossing of the Red Sea. Now how many of you know that was a nerve-wracking scene? You can pleasantly read it in your Lazy Boy, but that for them, that was, that was a nerve-wracking scene. There was no way to cross when those when those waters. They needed a water parting, and I'm I'm just kind of thinking about it. And I'm thinking even when the waters were parted, it had to be a little nerve wracking. I mean, can you see them just kind of going, okay, stay stay up, stay up. There was quite a ways to cross there. This was not just like um just utter peace. There, in order to get from a bondage to a freedom in other words, a deeper level of rest, right, there was a crossing. And do you know that when they got to the other side of that crossing, they knew him in a way that they didn't know him before the crossing. So it is a knowing him that releases, that positions us to submit to a will to one who has displayed with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm displays, I am faithful to take you to a deeper level of rest. I'm describing your life right now. (laughs) I know I am. (laughs) And then what? Were they at the deepest level of rest God had to give right on the other side? No. No, but they began to practice Sabbath all the way across what? The crossing. The crossing of the desert. They began to be faithful to a physical picture of a, of a rest in God, of a free people get rest. You inherit this because I'm that good and I love you that much. But how many of you know the desert wasn't pleasant? <laughs> there was a crossing to the deeper rest. And then, and then what? Then they cross... The River Jordan, do you know mostly in the physical picture of the Old Testament when the Word of God speaks of entering the deeper rest, what's it actually talking about? entering the promised land, right? It's in the promised land where He says, "You shall enter my rest, and you'll have rest from your enemies round about it's a It's a place of uh fruitfulness, fruitfulness is part of rest, that's the authority, right. The authority, ability, um, fruitfulness, it's the promised land. So then you get to the Jordan. Do you know that, uh, I was going to read a bunch of scripture, but I'm running out of time, so we might do that in the future. But do you know when they got to that river, that was a time of the year where it wouldn't have been a picnic to get across that river. It would have been raging. And I, I kind of have this hobby um, a lot of times in Colorado here when I come up to when the rivers are raging, I like to sit for a little while and just look at it and imagine this is the moment and see what the Holy Spirit like wants to do or like what if I was crossing, what would you do to prepare? Um you know, pack your stuff in some waterproof floaty sacks or would you run a rope line? <laughs> to keep you afloat, or what would you do to cross that river? I'm going to show you how we be diligent to enter, okay? What do you do? How are you diligent to enter rest so you can successfully make the crossing? I believe we're told. Um, okay, let me see where I should go here. <laughs> Okay, let's just do this and we'll just trust. Deuteronomy um, chapter 12, verse 8. I'll just rest in the fact that the Lord will help me get done. Verse 8. You shall not all do as we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For as yet you have not come to the rest and in the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. Now listen, this is important to get. It's the harsh words, right? Um, you shall not do as you're, as you're doing. And what's that? Every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. I want to tell you how this steals rest. And I want, I want to show you how we do this, okay? Do you know that any time... You are holding, revering, desiring after things of your own, especially things contrary to God, then you set up a conflict, right? Do you know that um, rest is not just the absence of conflict? It's rest is the presence of a person, Jesus. Do you, you got that? Okay, it's not um, peace and rest are not just the absence of conflict. It's the presence of a person. But having said that, do you know in order to have the full presence of God, now there's going to be a whole message on how presences rest, but in order to have the full presence of God, the conflict of other will has to get out of the way. Does that make sense? Um, now we can make this deeply simple, every man doing what is right in his own eyes, but do you know there's lots of good things that you can be centered on, focused on. But that is not in the same spirit modeled by Jesus that I only do what I see the Father doing. Conflict steals rest. And one thing we're saying this morning that we've seen in the Word of God is what is stolen when your rest is stolen? So what's that? Your inheritance, your authority, your ability. The reigning, the, the rest of, of reigning are holding the dominion in a kingdom being offered. Okay, this, this scripture is coming to my mind. Um, and I talk about this one all the time, but what does he say? He says, those who've continued with me, what? He bestows a kingdom. He says it at the end of the Lord's Supper. Though you are those who've continued with me in my trials, and so I bestow upon you a kingdom. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think before he spoke those words that he was withholding a kingdom. But what are we saying? Those who, who go through the crossing with him come out at a place of deeper rest because they know him in a way that they didn't before and they release the authority and the power of the kingdom. The authority and the power is released from a type of faith, a place of rest that makes us a people of authority. Some of you look perplexed. Did I press that too hard? Am I doing okay? Okay. Okay, I am going to have to um, skip a little bit here. So let me, there's something I have to say or I will not be obedient. <laughs> okay, now remember I told you, and we're going we're to start wrapping pretty soon here, but remember I told you when Jesus said, peace be still, they would have understood that those were words of the silencing of a voice. Now we're going to read some things here. Um, Actually, let's talk about something for a minute. What? Let's talk about Jesus' crossing. You know, baptism is a crossing. Noah had to cross, right, until the dove had a place to land. Um, he had to cross for that to happen. G, and That's the first symbol of baptism. So is crossing the Red Sea. So is crossing the Jordan. And, you know, it's a great privilege. Um, previous to this position, I never really... Had the privilege of being right, being someone who baptizes with a group of amazing elders, and it's a tremendous privilege. And one of the things that I love about it—it's going to sound kind of sick, but I don't think it is—is it <laughs> is generally speaking, when the people, when the person comes up, they—it's usually not entirely pleasant. I'll just put it that way. You know, they're they're kind of freaked out, and well, that water was cold, and I got some up my nose, and and. And I actually appreciate that about it. There is, some, there is some storm in the crossing, okay? I believe there's actual grace in baptism. I'm okay with it if you make up your mind, but what I mean by that, I believe when we baptize, there is actual change in the spiritual realm, there, are, there is demonic that is stripped off, just like the cleansing when Noah crossed. And I believe God is actually doing something, and we're not, we're not out there just dunking people. Okay, why am I talking about that? Because Jesus' temptations, he, he went through his baptism, and then what? So he did a crossing there, right? And the Spirit descended on him. The Father says, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased. What happens just next? straight out to the wilderness, and I'm going to propose that he has exactly the same temptations that the chosen people of God faced the exact three categories um, in the crossing of the wilderness to come to a deeper place of rest. Do you agree? Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you, if we were to wrap all three, I know we could do a whole study on the three categories of the of the temptation that goes on there but if we were to wrap it all in one what really was the temptation that had to be conquered that's it the world versus in other words the silencing of a screaming world voice now I'm going to press you one step further what was the world to, to be really specific about all three categories of temptation. What, what is the temptation? And it's kind of a trick question, so I'll give you the answer. <laughs> it's to make a shortcut, right? The world is always screaming a certain, a certain counterfeit, a certain rest or, or a pleasure. Oh, you don't have to do the hard part of the crossing. Um, you, you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to do it your father's way. Isn't that the screaming voice? There's a shortcut. Everything was um, yet. I see that your father is calling you to reign. That you are the Messiah. And the devil's basically saying, "I'll give that to you right now. Just heed my words, and I'll shortcut you. I'll just. Uh, you don't have to do all that struggle. That's ridiculous. That's what your father's telling you. You got it. So there's a crossing now. I'm gonna show you something, um, and this is important. So go to. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 18. (laughs) And we'll begin wrapping with this. Um, You know, there were three tribes. Okay, so God wants to bring them into the deep rest. He wants to do another crossing. And there are three tribes that stop short. Okay, or three two and a half, actually. Um, what is it? Reuben, Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh. What happens? They hear the screaming of the world's voice. They come into a nice place. <laughs> and they're like, You know what? This'll do. And essentially is what they say. And do you know God gives them permission? And through through the leaders and through Moses and, and they're like, No, okay. If you want to stay here, you can. But now I'm going to show you a, a truth in the Word of God, um, chapter 3, verse 18. That's, that's the context, though. It says, Then I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess, all you men of valor. Now this is speaking to those who said, We'll stay here. We won't cross the Jordan. We're happy with this. It, and do you know that to this very day they don't, that region does not have rest. In fact, it's the most warred region of planet Earth. Always has been, always will be. But it looked nice to them. <laughs> right? So, alignment, how do you know how how do you enter into that rest is in alignment with the will? Is in is in le- letting his will be the ruling will. Do you see that? Or did they have a heart that wanted What God wanted for them? Or did they have a heart for I want what I want when I want it? (laughs) These tribes, the the latter part. Okay, but he blessed. Is there a measure of rest there? There is. It's better than the desert, except for when it's being ravaged by war, right? It says, All you men of valor shall cross over armed before your brethren, the children of Israel. But your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall stay in your cities which I have given you until the Lord has given rest to your brethren as to you. And they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them beyond the Jordan. Did you catch it? So they're saying, this is fine, enough with the struggle of crossing into the true deep rest that you've been promising, that you've been speaking into our lives as your will, this will do, and what answer comes? Okay, you can have that, but you're still going to have to, <laughs> you're going to do everything that your brothers are going to do until we all come to the rest, and then, and then you can go on back to your counterfeit version or, or to the lesser level of rest. In other words, what? What's the spiritual truth here? You, you can't. There's no shortcut. You can't escape it. But the good news is, is you'll never read about a crossing from where you are right now to the deeper level of rest where God was not faithful to do it with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And every time you hear him talk about rest, you hear him talk about Sabbath. He always starts with who he is. I am the Lord your God who brought you out. Now let me tell you something. I believe every person in here. You can look back. You have some red sea that you've crossed with him. Am I right? You have some mighty hand of God. You wouldn't be sitting here if you didn't have some mighty hand, some outstretched arm where he brought you from from a place of bondage, from a place of death, or from a place that had a distinct lack of rest, (laughs) and he brought you to a place of rest. Now, I'm going to tell you the other thing I can promise you is that you have more crossings. How many of you are in a crossing right now? <laughs> and he is faithful every time. But how do we be diligent to not fail to enter the rest? It's, it's be diligent to not fail to enter the rest as that generation did in the wilderness. Are you checking? How do we do that? We position. We position. The more we eliminate conflict, do you got it? Conflict will steal your rest. And that's really the word I have on my heart. It's just crazy clear. I, I have pages and pages I didn't go through. But the bottom line spiritual truth is conflict. When my will screams in conflict, with what the Lord is, is speaking into it, rest is stolen. Which means our authority, our ability is stolen. That's the way we fail to enter rest. It's a positioning in, I know that I am in a crossing. This is a wilderness or this is a raging river that's trying to kill me. <laughs> this is a storm that's trying to sink the boat. It's a crossing, but one thing that is clear every time in the word of God is that he's faithful to us in the crossing. We just just need to ask Jesus to stand up in our boat. He was all too willing to do it for his disciples. You see, he didn't stand up and calm the storm because he needed it. But when they said, Jesus, I think I'm perishing here, he must have rolled his eyes and thought, well, you're not perishing, but I'm I'm willing to stand up in the boat. I will speak to the voice. Lord, speak to the voice, right? Speak to the voices that scream contrary to your will that create a conflict, that take me out of alignment, out of being positioned where I just rest in the hands of a father. Whatever tragedy I'm going through, Whatever crossing or transition that feels like it's tearing me apart, that's challenging my family until we're riddled to no end, whatever crossing we're going through, he is always faithful to bring through the crossing. And the positioning of rest is falling into the knowing of his goodness. Why? Because we've seen it before. We have some Red Sea back there. At the end of this passage, um, and I'll just—I'll probably—I'll probably close with this. <laughs> Verse twenty-two says, um, "You must not fear them, for the Lord— for the Lord your God gave him. Uh, let me try that again. You must not fear them, for the Lord your God Himself fights for you. Why could He say that?" He's had a crossing before, right? He knows he knows him this way, and so therefore with lips of authority he can say you must not fear them. For the Lord your God himself fights for you. With the powerful, with the power of his hand with an outstretched arm, he promises to be faithful to bring you through the crossing. He promises deeper rest, but he also commands be diligent not to fail to enter it. Position yourself by um, what? Those who will to do his will are positioned (laughs) to get the rest, to get the inheritance. And I mean this in the small things and in the big things. Oh, I never told you how. I have to tell you this. Go read, here's your assignment, go read Joshua chapter (laughs) 3 this week should you choose to accept. And do you remember, I'm just going to tell you about it. Do you remember, what does Joshua say? He's saying, um, the Lord sends him to tell the people, prepare yourselves for we're about to make a crossing into the promised rest. Do, Do you know how he tells them to prepare themselves? I'm going to suggest this is the be diligent to enter. How do they prepare themselves? I heard somebody whisper it. It's okay, you can yell it out. Sanctify yourself. Right? That's a fancy theological word. It merely means set yourself apart. That's it, be dedicated. You know, God says, be holy as I am holy. In the past, I used to think, yeah, right. (laughs) Good luck with that. But, But that's because I thought holiness had something to do with me. It doesn't. Jesus bought and gives you the holiness. It's freely given. And the only thing holiness means is dedicated. That's what the word means, dedicated. That's essentially what sanctified means. It means set apart for. So to set apart, to do the will, to those who will to do his will. That's sanctified. Brings a certain rest where we can fall in the hands of a God who promises deeper rest and then I promise you will have another crossing and he will have deeper rest and then you'll have a crossing that's about five times worse than the last one and you'll have deeper rest. Are you all experiencing this already? I know you are. okay um, I'm going to close in prayer but you know I'm going to do this in, um, in a way that you participate with me okay so just um, take some deep breaths if you're comfortable with it close your eyes close your eyes and just um, set apart your heart for him at this moment Lord we set apart our heart we want to be people who will to do your will And um, we set apart ourselves uh, to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, we know you're here already, and you promise to never leave us, but I ask that you come, Holy Spirit, in the sense that you make yourself very real in the sons of God this morning. And Lord, we ask you to show us One storm in our life right now that is a crossing that we're we're failing to trust you with and, and we just ask you to speak comfort to that. Lord, show us the storm and speak the comfort of your promise to bring us into the deep rest. I'm gonna encourage you I have a feeling many of you had a storm a trial a challenge something you're crossing immediately come to mind I'm guessing you also had a bunch of anxiety and desires and hopes and all kinds of willful stuff of your own that came with it if that's you to stay right where you're at and I encourage you let that stuff drift to the side and center on wanting every good thing he has willed for you. Thank you Jesus and we we thank you for the work that you're doing in hearts right now and in this, in this submission to your will in these hard crossings that we're in, I ask in the authority of the name of Jesus that there will be a release of ability, that the authority of rest will be released on your people. Not just the ability to cross, but the fruitfulness of the kingdom. Because you are the Lord that says, um, you are the ones that continue with me through the trial. And so a kingdom is bestowed. And so in the name of Jesus, we are receiving that kingdom right now in these crossings. We're having a faith. It it may not come today, if we know that sometimes the crossing takes time. But in the name of Jesus, I'm, I'm releasing that there is another side to this crossing. And in that, There is going to be a release of your kingdom authority in your people. That you're going to grant a deep abiding rest that has a great ability of the kingdom, a fruitfulness on the other side of this crossing. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are the faithful one that is not challenged to bring us through these hard crossings. You're the one that stands up on the boat and says, Silence. And it must obey. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.